It's a big week when RHAP is on the road in Chicago. Check out my live show from Chicago. That's going to be up on Thursday, Wednesday night. Shannon Gus is going to be live with you with Kelly Wentworth after Survivor. And we preview the Dondi finale with Dealer No Deal Island host Joe Manganiello all right here on RHAP. We know reality TV. I'm Mari Forth. I'm Sarah Carradine, podcasting from Aora, Sydney. And this is Crime Scene, the true crime review podcast where we get to the heart of how true crime stories are told. You can get this podcast along with all the fantastic reality TV content by subscribing to robhasawebsite.com slash feed. That's R-H-A-P-U-P-S feed. And we'd love it if you would subscribe to our dedicated feed, that's robhasawebsite.com slash crime feed. You'll get your true crime on Tuesdays. If you've already subscribed, thank you so much. It makes a big difference. Murray, what did we watch this week? This week we watched BS High on oh, Max. Ooh, we sure did. Yes, it was directed by Trayvon Free and Martin Desmond Rowe and produced by former Super Bowl winning NFL player Spencer Paysinger, which I have no idea who that is. Um, Me neither, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) And running drills with us today. He loves Padma. He hates the Ravens. Boo, boo. It's chocolate milks for everyone with Michael J. Clark, MJC. Welcome to the scene. Welcome. And Sarah, thank you. I'm so excited to do this. This was wild. (laughs) (laughs) This was a wild assignment, uh, but I was happy to. Uh, accept it yes i think i i think we are we've been hitting it out of the park but this feels like almost like a perfect property for you mjc did we nail it i think so i i it, it, you know i i watched it last night last night and i i started taking notes but it came to a point where i'm like i, I can't just take notes i need to like just watch <laughs> yeah. it and like yeah. be like in yeah. the story and be like with it Yeah. What, whatever you know, whenever you can start a documentary with the the lead subject asking his interviewers, "Do I look like a con man?" I'm telling and like, you, as he's doing it, like putting his like hands together, like he's like catching <laughs> a scheme. Like, yeah, dude, you do. Um, but we'll get into it. it, it yes, it's, it's it's a wild story. Sure. Yes, we will. MJC, this is your debut on Crime Scene. So you have to tell us what your true crime origin story is. Like, what's your genre of choice? What do you avoid? Give us everything. Sure. Um, so I, I, I think I, I started from, I don't want to say like a young age, but like I definitely started from your like Friday night Dateline NBC's. You know, mm-hmm. like those little like two hour compact stories where, mm-hmm. you know, it's always the husband. And it's like, you know, <laughs> the woman yeah. who like went missing on their like their glamorous vacation. <laughs> um, th- those 
kinds of stories are, are like it, it definitely like intriguing to me. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I did the the serial thing when it came around. You know, I, I like we all did. Uh, Exactly, you know, I, um, you know, baby's first crime scene. Yeah, uh, it's like it's canon event. It's like canon yes. event at this point. At this it point. is, yes, like, yes, yes. But you know, it's I, I really, I'm fascinated by stories of, and this is why I think this is a really good uh, episode for me to be on. Fraud mm-hmm. and stories where someone just gets away with something. And you're you're just you're you're baffled as to like how did this person get away with everything that they got? I I I think that's like such a an intriguing character study type. One of the ones I really was kind of fascinated with when it it came on, I believe it was Netflix, uh, was the Tinder Swindler, and so like stories of just like people who. are able to kind of like pull a fast one on a large group of people and mm-hmm. and you want to like see them get their comeuppance at the end. You want to yeah. like see their entire like world crashing down as they are caught. And so, yeah, sometimes you get that. And sometimes you don't, sometimes like the story ends yeah. and they're like, and I'm coaching another football team this year, you know? <laughs> <laughs> The investigator said the extraordinary thing about this con, it was a con that was designed to be exposed. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's what's so extraordinary Mm -hmm. about this narcissistic sociopath is the very design of the con is its exposure. Yeah, I agree. So to the crime, uh, the Bishop Sycamore Centurions were an American football team. <laughs> uh, uh, she just reads them. <laughs> I'll say that for our international listeners. Uh, Thank I know you. We have a lot. Yeah. Um, based in Columbus, Ohio. They said they were the, the high school football team of Bishop Sycamore High School, which ran from 2019 to 2021. After a blowout loss against the elite IMG Academy, which was televised on ESPN, there was intense scrutiny and investigation into the school's existence. Not the least because many of the the players appeared to be men in their early 20s. (laughs) The school was found to be a scam run by coach (laughs) Roy Johnson. While coach Johnson has faced and continues to face a number of charges, including domestic abuse, auto crime, and lawsuits from creditors. Operating a fake school is technically not against the law <laughs> because nobody thought that anybody would do it. <laughs> In August 2023, Johnson filed for bankruptcy owing over $306,000. Wow. Okay. I'll go to Sarah first. Sarah, what were your overall thoughts about uh, BS High? This is a feature-length documentary here for us to talk about. Well, first, I mean, first and foremost, of course, we're on record. We love a feature-length documentary. Yes. And mm-hmm. the length of this documentary was exactly the right length for this story, I felt. Perfect. Uh, there's so Perfect. much more to it, but what we were told is exactly what we needed. As far as the production of the property itself it's so well made it's so good. it's fascinating that this is Trayvon's first feature length he has yes. 
directed shorts, he's directed TV episodes. Mm-hmm. But to go to a documentary feature, first of all, and to go to one of such complexity and to go to one with so many talking heads, sometimes there are too many in other properties, not in this one. We want mm-hmm. to hear from everyone that he's selected. I mean, it's an extraordinary feat. So that's mm-hmm. the production itself. And then the story is uh, at first slightly amusing, then enraging, and then you're just grief-stricken. Very and what bad. the filmmakers invite us to do is say, okay, this man is a bad man. We know he's a bad man. Mm-hmm. But what allows this to happen? What is it about young male black bodies that is still allowed to be co-opted, commercialised, mm-hmm. used as a commodity and discarded? They don't hit that hard, but it's there. It's in the fibre of the documentary. I thought this was fantastic. I'll, I'll definitely be watching it. So we watch it generally twice when we're going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I'll leave it a little while, but I'll definitely be watching it again in the next couple of weeks because it's it's an extraordinary document. Yeah, I, I watched it twice and it hit just as hard the, the second time, honestly. And also Trayvon Free, when I found out he uh, directed this, I was so excited because Trayvon Free is one of those people I followed on Twitter like, years ago and I saw him coming up as like a writer and him writing for like Harlem and all these like shorts and like him trying to make it and him talking about everything that he was doing on on the timeline and to see him make this masterpiece is so good like shout out to him I was I was enthralled the whole time MJC how about you what were your thoughts overall so I I I you know, uh, to, to, just to echo Sarah, like it, 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 it takes you on a journey, this story. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you kind of run the gamut as you're watching where you, you, you feel anger, you feel heartbreak for these kids. Like you, you feel, you catch yourself laughing at times. And mm-hmm. it's just like, it's, it's, it's just, it's really, really well told. And I think one of the, I think one of the, the, things that's so unique about this story um is that you you get to see so much of roy of the coach where Mm -hmm. he is like he is the star of the show and he's got Mm -hmm. you know uh he's got the like a a, like a, a great smile he's got like a uh, a great laugh and like you can mm-hmm. see parts of him where you're like oh i can see you as like this really charming quick talking you know what i mean like where like yeah. i can see people believing you and being willing to follow you and how many times do we see that in these true crime stories where like the most evil people aren't the ones that like are that that look vile but are the ones that you would see talking and say like oh i can see someone following that person mm-hmm. where like if this were like a a like a fictional if they were gonna uh, make this into a movie a fictionalized movie like Dulé hill 
would play the coach. We're like, oh, yeah. you know, like, that, like, you know, yeah, like, maybe like the, 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 the big, big grins and just like mm-hmm. trying to. Very charismatic. Not, not, to, not to like, not to, not to, you know, we'll, we'll get there, but like the moments where he loses his cool mm. are just like fascinating to watch. You know what I mean? Where, where like, yeah. you, you, you see the mask like Slip. kind of lifted mm-hmm. uh, a few times and it's just, you know, he's he he is a narcissist, and he'll he'll tell you he's a narcissist, and it's it, that that's that's who he is. That's the coach. I like Sarah's description as a narcissistic sociopath because uh, his reaction. Somebody pointed out on Twitter that his reaction to the players calling him out and saying that you know how he how they felt that he tr- treated them. Instead of trying to make it like poor me, he like kind of got mad. Like I, I, I would definitely say that we're we're not diagnosis. We're not diagnosing people no. here, but it was just yeah. I thought that was an apt dis- description, Sarah. But let's talk about it. Let's talk because the talking heads. We got to talk about the talking heads. Roy is literally front and center here. He's the one it opens up with. He's the one on the table. He's the one asking. Oh, I study I study body language. I need to know. Do you want my hands like this? Do, you know, do I look, look like this? Uh, do I look cool? Trayvon is like, just be natural, man. And I thought this was perfect of the production. Almost, It's almost like production is saying, see, we're not making this up. You know what I'm saying? Like, because the way that you see, like, this is all behind the, the, the scenes. We're seeing him ask them stuff behind the scenes. We're seeing the setup. We're seeing Trayvon and the other director, was it Martin? We're seeing them talking to him in frame and then we see the shot of him like through the camera through like the straight on camera so it's so funny to me because I kind of feel like they did that on purpose like we are not exaggerating this because those straight on camera shots where he's talking directly into the camera he looks and sounds like a maniac you know what I'm saying like just super villain and they're like but let's show you the behind the scenes because look this is not us doing that. This is how he is. Uh, keeping the, some slip ups with him when he's like, those stupid kids, I mean, those athletes, uh, you know, and like slipping up. Like, I loved how they did this documentary. Sarah knows I love a good, we're interviewing one person, we're going to cut to the other person mid sentence, and right. they're going to be like, no, nope, that's not what, that's not what happened. Cut back cut back and forth i love that and the way that they did this was so hilarious to me he even asks they they say what you know how were you seen as a coach or how did the young men (laughs) see you and he drops his smile he says have you already asked them or am i getting am i getting in first i said no no you're getting in first boom mask comes back and he answers oh yes they leave it all in there and it's so perfect because it's just, it, which is another thing that we like. And that's why when you have these documentaries where the perpetrator is in it, you always want to see how the people on the other side treat it. We even get uh, a super petty, I don't know him. From, from yeah. <laughs> oh my God. 
What is he, a 16-year-old girl? I mean, sorry to be gendered about it. But, uh, I mean, it's interesting, as you say, Murray, we don't like the perpetrators being given any screen time or Mm -hmm. any possibility to talk. But you cannot make this documentary without him. Mm -hmm. And everything he says is matched with other people speaking. And this is what we've always asked for. Why aren't you challenging them? Well, the filmmakers don't challenge him to his face, but they challenge him through their own medium, which is the editing of this film they've made. And they even and they even go back and forth, you know, they they show him or tell him what other people say about him so that he can refute them on camera. So it it's not like they're doing some editing behind the scenes and like letting him like spew stuff. They're really like, they showed him iPad, the iPad of all the players talking about how he ruined their life. And, you know, he was able to react to it. So it's he not. Watched that, he watched that young man sobbing his heart out mm-hmm. with a look of boredom on his face. Yeah. Yeah. It, it takes a dark turn, people. Yeah. So, and, and, and I completely agree with you guys because I'm not going to lie at the beginning of, of it. I'm like, haha, like I, you're kind of robbing from rich people. Sure. Whatever. By the end of the documentary, I was like, man, this is so messed up. Let's talk a little bit more about some of these other talking heads. It was, it was so funny because um, John Branham is the guy who Roy was like, who? I maybe knew him for a couple of weeks. And then it goes back to Brandon. Brandon's like, he's a lion mother. <laughs> like Brandon did not like him at all. But John Branham basically helped him in his first grift with the uh Christians of Faith Academy. Roy says, Oh, he was only there for a couple months. You know, it wasn't that big of a deal. We'll get into a little bit, a bit about that. But before that, we had uh Ben Faree. Uh, what do we think about Ben Faree? I, I, I think I'm saying that right. He was the investigator for uh, the former OHSA, a Ohio High School Athletic Association. MJC, what were your thoughts on Ben? Are you talking about OSHA right now? We don't, we don't, we don't <laughs> do anything with OSHA. Like, what's OSHA? I don't. I've never heard the term OSHA before in my life. Like, we don't we cut to his signature on a form. Yep. <laughs> it was so good. Like he he had no he was pretending he had no idea who they were. Meanwhile, Ben the investigator just pulling out all of these receipts. All the receipts, yeah. All no, of them. Ben was Ben was great. I, I really I really enjoyed uh his uh his his perspective. Yeah, I think I thought that he was definitely like a good a good foil. I say this all the time. One of my favorite like genres of film is the like the big j journalist film where it's like mm-hmm. we need to like finish all our research and get this in the printer before the deadline like yeah. that's like you know like so yeah like, spotlight she said like movies like that where I'm just like, yes. yes like let's 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 get the research done let's like let, let's let's uh I, I stand that we, we we all stand that yeah i i agree we also had some other good talking hands, heads like Bomani Jones. I Bomani love Jones. Bomani was, oh, uh, Bomani he was, so he he was really... the MVP. I mean, Ben yeah. got the receipts, mm-hmm. but Bomani Jones, he's a sports journalist. And you think, okay, mm-hmm. sports journalist. But he was the beating, righteous, angered heart of mm-hmm. this. He was the foil to coach in inverted commas 
Johnson. And he was able to speak for the filmmakers. He was able to bring the broader perspective. And we saw him at the beginning. Then he, we kept going back to him and going back to him and going back to him. And he, he doesn't take our hand, but he, he sits us down and he says, I, I, he speaks the truth. I, I thought he was incredible. And one thing that he said that I wrote down was TV confers an authority in this country, mm-hmm. which I would just, I mean, I know it, but to have it said in this context uh, by this person, I just, I felt very, I felt my mind expanded by him. Sure. And, and you know, Sarah, I don't mean to uh, speak out of school and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm guessing this is your first uh experience with Bomani Jones. I've never seen him before. Okay. And he's, he's now one of he, my favorite people on the entire face of the he's, he's been on ESPN. He's been on TV, Mari, for mm-hmm. a very long time. And so one like, of my favorites. Like he definitely like knows what he's doing in front of a camera. And mm-hmm. so um like when I, I saw that he was gonna be one of the talking heads, like I, I knew that okay, like he's gonna bring He's going to bring it. He's going to bring it. And he did. did. (laughs) Bomani Jones is a well-respected, well-known former ESPN analyst and just overall like sports journalist, like we said. He is one of my favorite sports journalists of all time. And not only that, but he was one of the people who was breaking the Bishop Sycamore news as it was happening. Like as, as he's like, what, as they're watching the, the, the game happen. And then like weeks later, like, like for weeks after ESPN, all the talking heads on ESPN, they were talking about all of this. Like this was a big to do and Bomani was one of the people like on Twitter like going 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 like doing trying to do the research as the game was happening I don't know if they really got across like how during that game with with IMG and Bishop Sycamore how the internet was going nuts I remember watching this game nobody watches high school football Mm. uh, like that unless it's like your your high school your state stuff like that you know if you have a personal stake in it I remember this game being on TV and people on the internet being like, everybody turn to ESPN right now. What is going on? <laughs> and just watching that game where IMG is destroying Bishop Sycamore uh, as they're, as the game is happening, the announcers are like, we don't have a proper roster there. That number doesn't match what we have. Mm-hmm they started reading names. They're like, I think this is a fake name. Like it was so funny. People were on the internet, like looking these dudes up as the game was happening. Mm -hmm. And people like this dude is like 24. Like it was a big deal. So Bomani Jones being on here lends that gravitas and that, that TV flair that, that kind of puts this documentary over the edge, but also just all of the talking heads. And we'll get through more of them as we, we progress along. I mean, he's so measured, uh, but mm-hmm. I, for me, and I didn't know him, he was the one that put the story in the broader context of, yeah. of politics, capitalism, race yes. in the United yes. States of America. Yes. I actually thought that if, if I had a, a critique of the documentary, and it's not, it's not the documentarian's fault at all, is that I was disappointed that, um, that ESPN didn't, like didn't agree to do it. I, I yeah. would have like been interested in like one of the higher ups at ESPN, like one of the announcers or like someone there 
to kind of give their perspective of like, how did this happen? Like, why did this mm-hmm. happen? Like, we got like the matchmaker and I'm sure we'll talk about that guy, mm-hmm. but I, I would have been interested in hearing from someone of the network. They yeah. asked, they were declined. Yeah. Okay. So like I said, the precursor to be as high was Christians of faith and Roy kind of like, it's like a test run almost. He, he tries to hook up with this church to be like, this church is like, Oh, we kind of want to build a school. And he's like, yes, let's build a school, but also let's do a football team. And they're like, Oh, okay. And then they look up and he's like, I have a football team. They're like, there's no school. It's fine. Let's keep going. You know what I'm saying? Like it was like, it was a precursor. And um, again, this is how we got like Barnum was in here where he was like, he could tell off jump that something wasn't right. And he like dips out uh, Christians of faith. The, the church has to put out like all of these um, releases saying they are not affiliated with us because Roy has a, a habit of, you know, saying, oh, I'm with these people. Let me run up their debt, you know, <laughs> and it was just a it was just a little precursor. It's like every every con man, every person has a like a criminal has a, a warm up. And this was the warm up. But this is but it gets into this is where it gets into the, the real nitty gritty of it. Once uh, Roy dislodges from Christians of Faith, he starts. Uh, bishops the bishop sycamore high school program again i don't understand how they were able to do this with no physical building but Mm -hmm. he he went around trying to recruit players and his promise with them this was the 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 really messed up part because he, he promised them these were players who they said were good, but didn't have the grades, were short credits, were didn't have enough footage. And he kept promising them, like, I'll get you to a D1 school. Like, Sarah, I, I know you don't know. It is so incredibly hard to go D1 as an athlete, especially as an athlete that, like, oh, maybe took two years off of high school. Like, the fact that he was promising them D1 scholarships was just maddening to me. He should have at least aimed for a D3 or something like that. But he he's going around and he's talking this big talk to these kids, to these parents. We come to find out that like they, when they would come to visit, he would show them like some other building and be like, oh, we're going to be in this area. And he would show them things that, of course, like this is like every con man. He would show them things that were not a part of the program. And once he got the kids on board and the parents were like, okay, so some kids came from like Texas. They came from all over the country to come and do this program. While he had them staying in the Baymont in and suites uh what were some other red flags mjc and the bs high uh program so he he made two promises to kind of pitch these kids to join his team is that um they they get their grades up you know chance for them to get their grades up and they get a chance to get on tape and so that's like a big thing for high school athletes who are trying to earn scholarships to play collegiate sports is that you need like, you need like a highlight reel. You need like a mixtape and everything. You you need to be able to, to um, show something to these schools to be able to say like, Hey, like here I am like running a touchdown. Well, one of the interesting talking heads were um, 
the the two guys that he hired Mike and Anthony Mike and Anthony he met them at a Panera Bread and he <laughs> offered them the world to essentially create like hype videos yeah. and like mm-hmm. that's that's like what he showed people to be like hey like look at how awesome this school could be look at how awesome playing for Bishop Sycamore can be yeah um, yeah and, and this guy like this guy makes promises like they're you know like like they're like they're free he doesn't care about his reputation he doesn't care about his name being dragged through the mud and so many times that we saw the the the, the story with the, the the paintball yeah where you know <laughs> he uh had his team out on like a paintball field and he gave like a fake credit, credit card. card or like an old credit card be like yeah like someone will be back to take care of this and it's like never get back yeah. and people are, are like online saying like you're really you know you're you're really gonna ruin your reputation over like 150 dollars at paintball like what, what are you doing pal like, they literally had the paintball guy just there just to flip him off yes. that's it right. they had him there they had him standing there and he flipped him off it was, that was it amazing <laughs> i mean with the paintball just the last thing was he says mm-hmm. oh i mean so what i don't care 300 dollars. so what the bill was actually 800 dollars. in the grand scheme of things it's not that much difference but you just start to see his modus operandi that he minimizes mm-hmm. He says it's $300 and he says he doesn't care. Meanwhile, paintball guy is out there trying to run a small business and it's exactly. not $300, it's $800. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, also, he's not feeding the kids. He barely not has guests. food. He barely has food to uh, feed the kids. So the kids are going and they have to steal, steal food from Walmart. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Sarah, you said you wanted to talk about the chicken story. I want to talk about the chickens. Coach Roy is so thrilled and delighted to tell mm-hmm. us his scam. So his mm-hmm. scam with the chickens is that he rings a grocery store in the morning and he says, I would like to order 25 cooked chickens. So the grocery store gets the chickens and cooks them and, of course, he doesn't pick them up and then he goes in at closing time and they're $2 each and he buys them all. I mean, you are... <laughs> You're not doing that to Walmart, right? You're mm-hmm. doing it to a small grocery store who thinks, oh, great, great payday. So that. Plus also, I actually don't believe that you did that because a small grocery store, Walmart, I don't care who you are, you are taking a deposit on 25 chickens. So even the cons that he's telling us about are also lies. Mm-hmm. It's lies within lies. And then he just says, oh, I'm a liar. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do, do you want to Do you want to stop? lying oh i'm a domestic abuser like everybody knows that yeah uh no <laughs> exactly and and so it's just so many so many red flags they're living in a hotel that he's not paying for the hotel gave him an option like if he wanted to book 15 rooms he could book 15 rooms but pay has like 90 days to pay it i'm like this, that doesn't sound like good business so of course he takes it and he's la- he's cackling about about taking it and um the kids are coming back to the hotel and they're like hey your coach isn't paying us stuff you know and and it's just ridiculous they're not going to school the kids themselves are kind of like yeah we were like wondering why we weren't going to school but we weren't going to say anything and it's like you feel so bad for these kids because again like they like like is said in the documentary itself this is like their last option you know so 
they're just going along with it. But the school and they manage- have eviction. They have eviction notices now in their names. Yeah, as they found out that yeah. a lot of these hotels and things had been booked in the kids' names, which they never it, knew anything about. Yeah. Yeah, it was it, it was very Anna Delvey, you know. Where- yeah. <laughs> why are you poor? Why why are you poor, Michael? Michael. Yeah. <laughs> the like recruiting of kids that are already like mm-hmm. on JUCO rosters or like out of high school, they're mm-hmm. 20 and 21 years old. And then like, again, going back to him saying, well, like, you know, there's no rule about not being able to like play high school football at the age of 20 smash cut to like the rule. Yeah. So good. This was where the dark turn happened because I think the the rhythm and Mm -hmm. the flow of this documentary, Mm -hmm. if I can kind of lens out, is we we see him right from the start, as you say, kind of exposed. Do I look cool? Do I look like a con man? We're sort of laughing along. We're intrigued. We start by thinking, well, who did he really defraud? And then right around this time of the food and then then you get into the no coaching and then you get into the horrific injuries, it takes a very dark turn. And the last part is about the effect on these young men's lives mm-hmm. to which he is supremely bored. Yeah, exactly. Uh, because for some, somehow this goes on for three years, you know. <laughs> Um, even kind of through COVID and stuff. So, uh, but it all culminates because in 2021, they end up on ESPN. And like I've talked about it, uh, you know, already, as the game is going on, people are just like, this is, who is this high school? How did they get here? And of course, like we mentioned, there was the matchmaker, which this guy slid on the screen to be really slick for like 10 seconds and then was gone. I was so confused. I was like, what? They, he, okay. So he, he, it felt like some mob stuff. Did, am I? Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Joe Mamoni looked like a mobster. He looked like yeah. a, a mid-level capo. His name is yes. Joe Mamoni. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just saying that was his name in his suit and his um, signet ring. Very pleased with himself. One of the big things for me was Roy scheduling a game two days before the ESPN yes. game. Sarah, this is extremely irresponsible. This isn't done on yes. the pro level. This is done at zero levels where it's, it's, it's like, it, it's, it's so, so irresponsible to do that. Yeah. And I think it was Bomani who had that analogy of talking about running your body into a wall and then two days later running it into an even sturdier wall. Like, yeah, having people play full on full contact football games within 48 hours of each other. It was the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. But he had uh, the matchmaker make him a schedule that was like the what he said, the fourth hardest in the country. And then. Roy booked a, a game. He booked that other additional game for that Friday that that led to the, the two games within 48 hours before the really big IMG game. And he did it by himself. And I'm like, I, I'm guessing, I don't know, MJC, do they get paid for the games? Like, I am i don't know how this all works, like how the money works. Yeah, um, I, uh, that's, that's... They didn't really go into that. Yeah, that, that's, that's a good question. Like, I don't know... 
the way it works with high school athletics, how much someone would get paid, you know, when in, in like college football, when like yeah. Alabama will play like you yes. know, Southwest, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Southwest mm-hmm. Wisconsin, know you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where it's just like, it's, it's, um, they're like running drills against them. Yeah. It's, and, and it's so, uh, stat padding. Yeah. Yes. But the, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It, there, there is money in high school football, as I've learned. Yeah, now, is. even I, who, who don't know anything about American football uh, particularly, uh, I do know one player. Mari knows my favorite player. Uh, he's the one player I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I was, I was surprised and yet not surprised to find that IMG Academy, which is a proper high school, but Sorry. the absolute focus is on having this incredible football program that leads athletes on to a career. They had 79 million dollars in revenue in 2021 Mm -hmm. and this is through not just sponsorships but sponsorships are a large part a large part of it now the players don't see any of that and it's my understanding that college players also don't see any money Mm -hmm. but I don't know what a fake high school other than the checks that the parents were writing I don't know what Roy's income was like what was the scam they were they weren't just playing other teams in Ohio where they were like flying. Yes, to they were flying. They were mm-hmm. flying to California on like on whose dime? Like what? I I that's what I was not yeah. clear about. Where they're not like, affiliated with the school. Like who's mm-hmm. like who is paying for these flights? For I my my only guess it's it's stat padding. So sure. to like at high school levels, at college levels, the the really elite. Football, uh, football teams they don't want to play too many other elite football teams like very like a lot throughout the season say if the season is compromised of like 12 games you want to at least have at least like what five six games where you're in conference and you're you're facing teams that have like rank or have like prestige to, to prove that if you beat them you're good the rest of that schedule you want it to be easy wins you want it to be just e- the easiest wins you could possibly get and so again if it's, if it's anything like the college system that i know the smallest smidgen about the bigger schools will pay smaller schools to come and face them. I remember when Howard, um, when Howard's football team was invited to come to UNLV, uh, University of Las Vegas, to play them, and we ended up beating them. And it was like so surprising because we we had Cam Newton's brother at the time as our quarterback. And we know that that's that's what they did. Or when the women's UConn team came to Howard to play our women's basketball team, we lost. They, it was like a hundred to like. 30 was the score it it's 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 a way that you that you're adding your your schedule is uh helping you be able to pat be like oh UConn is undefeated UNLV went 12 and 2 you know what I'm saying it, it's a way to to pad the schedule so that's the only thing I can think of because technically somehow they were registered as like able to play sure. in these games and people took advantage of it so when we get to IMG Academy, I, like my dad is the like works at a high school like this in the South, huge athletic program. He's like an athletic administrator. So he, he has to prep the fields and all stuff like that. Like, and football is life in some of these places. So yes, high school football is worth that much, but it just, what this really showed me was there are loopholes. The student athletes are 
the bottom of the barrel when it comes to what this actually is about and that it truly is about the money. So, and we know that because during the IMG game, because like MJC said, they had the game two days prior, they started suffering catastrophic injuries during this game. A man tore, like at least two of them tore their ACLs. Mm -hmm. One guy tore his Achilles and kept Helmets were flying because they were sharing helmets so they didn't actually fit them. Uh, One of the mothers said, I realized my son was wearing his practice helmet almost from two years ago. So like out of date and the wrong type of helmet. And she said, I'm sure that's not allowed. So who's checking? Because one of the other things that was interesting is that Coaches need to have a pupil activity permit, it's called, yes. uh, in that state. Over here in Australia, we call it a working with children check. Mm-hmm. I have a working with children check. I don't even work with children. But because mm-hmm. I coach at swimming pools where children are present while I am mm-hmm. teaching adults, I have to have a working with children check. It's really straightforward. You apply, you pay a small fee, you get it, you renew it. What they're doing is a background check. They'll check if you have any mm-hmm. you know, record or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Now. Roy not only didn't have one, he didn't apply for one, yep. which tells you, first of all, he's very casual about any of the regulations, but also one wonders perhaps he wouldn't receive one. Mm. But also it means that none of the administrations are checking exactly the license. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Or and that's helmets, what I mean. Or that they have linesmen or that they have a first aid team. The rosters. Like they, 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 the didn't rosters have, they didn't have a trainer. They didn't have yes. like, I, I'd be surprised if they had a Band-Aid. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> the team mom said she was, just, she was just out there saying like, mm, that looks bad. <laughs> like yeah. really just hands Can on you, her hips. And Royce, they're saying, run it off, run it off. Can you, oh does it hurt? Gosh. Then get back out there. They didn't have a board. The the quarterback. Trillion. Trillion. Yeah. Popped his whole shoulder out of socket. Oh, they have footage of it. They had a like dangling. Yeah, the shot of it dangling. It was just and and meanwhile the the ESPN or the announcers were yeah. just like, wow, like these these people are getting hurt. Meanwhile, they're also like, oh my god, these are grown men and they're still getting hurt by these like high schoolers. It was so ridiculous. But after it is, the, it is, it is very rare to hear announcers kind of say like this is this is like this shouldn't go on like why why are we why is this happening so so why didn't someone stop at mjc who should have stepped in is there no referee is there no i mean there were there were there were referees there and and there's no there's no mercy rule there's no yeah there's no rule against you know just ask Mm -hmm. like new york giant fans who experienced (laughs) like a 40 to nothing loss on their home field yeah um like the, the, no, no one's going to stop the fight. I think that it should have, they, they should have done their background check. They should have done their own research. And before just putting something on their airwaves that wasn't going to, wasn't going to be legitimate. Once, once the game starts on ESPN, there's not much they can do. Exactly. And, and that's why, like, that's why, I, they have to have a telecast of the game somewhere because I remember watching it and the announcers were really sitting there like, we don't know wh- where Bishop Sycamore is. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're getting reports like they're trying to call it. They're like, number 44 is down on the field. And they're like, 
We're looking at the <laughs> roster. There's no 44 on the roster. So we don't know who that is. Like it is. Oh God, it was so funny, but not funny. Um, so after yeah. the ESPN being exposed on ESPN, that's when things like really, really hit the fan with the, with the program being exposed, the rest of their schedules canceled an investigation was started. Basically the, the kids had a, to go back home because a lot of them were injured. And this is where we start to find out stuff like uh, he would pressure the kids to take out PPP loans to pay their tuition. $20,000. This was where I was really like, I I was so upset like these kids and then, um, okay. So let me just, run through the name of some of the kids because uh, uh we had a lot of the kids as talking heads here so like we said trillian harris who was the quarterback um in 2021 we had andrian pahoki who is the the guy who they showed him breaking down they showed him he was crying and they showed roy him and they were mad because they're like we did so much for him mm. um we had Justin J.D. Daniel, who was a tackle. We had Zyshawn Johnson, who was a running back. We had Isaiah Miller, who was a linebacker. We had Mikos Todd, who was a running back. And Mikos Todd was probably the oldest person on that <laughs> team. He was already on a JUCO roster. If you're not familiar with that term, he was on a junior college roster. Junior college is also another pathway to um, like Division One or to the NFL. So he he should he knew better. Because he's Amazing. an adult grown man with a career. Yes. Demetrius <laughs> <laughs> uh, Michi Gates, who was a quarterback. And then we did get two of the team moms, one being Christy Ferguson, who was Trillian's mom, and Quincy Talmadge, who was a wide receiver. So we really, we really heard, oh, sorry, and Erica Kane, who was Quincy, Quincy. Quincy's mom. Yeah. Um, We really heard directly from the kids. And this is where we, this is the heartbreaking moments when we start to hear, I think, especially Pahoki, when we, when um, he talks about like, I don't, I don't, I never signed for a PPP loan. And then Trayvon and Martin show him a document, a document, sorry, with his name on it saying he took out $20,000 on a PPP loan. And PPP load, and he's like, I never signed it. Two twenty thousand dollar loan. Two. Oh, you're right, Sarah. Like he he had he forced those kids to give up their social security numbers to him, like, and then like Sarah said, evictions. He put some of those rooms in the hotel under the kids' names, so when they got booted out of those hotels, those evictions went on their record, and a lot of them didn't know. And but that's over here, it severely affects your credit to the point where it's hard for you to rent somewhere else. Um, it was Quincy's mom who, when Quincy Quincy decided to leave the program after Roy had started displaying um, very scary actions, where he runs over a gaggle of geese to teach them a lesson to man, about manning up, or he beats a homeless man in front of them and tries to get some of them to join in. Quincy calls his mom and is like, I can't be here anymore. And she says, come back home. But we also get uh, uh, his mom like, I'm mad because he's he severely traumatized my child. Now my, all my son can do is sit at home and he doesn't want to play football ever again. Like he really broke these people's spirits. Um, and her, her older three sons are all at college. Mm-hmm. And Quincy basically can't leave his room. 
Yes. Yep. It's, you know, it's and, and you know, fucking heartbreaking. Be... I don't normally swear on the pod, but <laughs> excuse sure. me, everybody. We'll have to sure. put explicit on our, on yeah. our rating <laughs> now. But the when I tell you the the way these young men looked down the barrel of the camera and told us their stories, mm-hmm. the courage, the spirit that you could see that had been there or was broken or that they were trying to revive. And you think this man deliberately, it wasn't a coincidence that he went for kids who had a father on a murder charge, kids mm-hmm. who'd been at high school and had dropped out for various reasons, maybe financial, mm-hmm. maybe academic, maybe they hadn't had a chance. It's not a coincidence he goes for them because they are so grateful for this opportunity that he's promising them. Mm-hmm. and. Once he picks them up, uses them and discards them, what are they going to do? Mm -hmm. MJC, he didn't even coach them in football. This is to me the, I mean, it's all bad, Mm -hmm. but he wasn't even coaching them. What's that all about? Uh, You know, we we kind of ran through a lot of Roy's rap sheet, but the other one too, where, you know, he's supposed to, you know, when when you're a coach, especially at the high school level, with such like a vulnerable population and one that like he sought out, like you have a responsibility to like be a a, a leader, a leader of men to be like a mentor and the domestic violence charges, the, you know, the, 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 the beating up of the homeless man and encouraging like the athletes to join in and, it's just he's 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 a bad dude. Like it's, I don't I don't know. Like sometimes that's just it. It's just it's just a bad guy. I I I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And on top of that, it, they they have time to include that he he was on domestic violence charges. He got brought up on domestic violence char- charges again. The player uh, Pahuki he was staying with Roy at one point and he was just talking about he, how he he physically saw Roy beat up his girlfriend and and then you know, say to him a young man look what she made me do oh yeah like it this is it really took a turn here and I was like wow this yeah. isn't fun anymore I no. me and James are watching I was like oh I don't like this I was like <laughs> I don't like this anymore um because, then, I mean, you mentioned the Tinder swindler MJC, and I definitely a million percent am not victim blaming. But mm-hmm. these were adult women who yes. who could have had other thoughts. Like it's not definitely not their fault. Mm-hmm. But these are children, yes. even the 20-year-olds, mm-hmm. are yeah. children mm-hmm. of uh, dis- the disadvantages in their lives so far are myriad. And it's not a coincidence. He seeks them out. He seeks mm-hmm. them out. And this is where Bomani gives it, you know, lenses out and says, yes, this is a bad man, but look at this bad system that we live under. Yeah. yeah. And um, so Trillian, like Sarah said, got an offer from uh, the well-known HBCU Grambling State, which would have been such a great move for him. And mm. I mean, the way they presented this, I was like, yes, they showed us like him getting the video. Trillian was like, I was so hyped to go to Grambling. You know, I was going to put all of this behind me. And then he's like, and then it just turned to sadness. And then you find out that they they 
his offer got withdrawn because they found out about him playing on Bishop Sycamore High. And I'm like, that's not fair. That wasn't his fault. Mm-hmm. And he talks about depression and thinking about not being wanting to be here anymore. And it was just like, I was, I, I have never been more pissed off than hearing that, that, that man's story. And it was so sad. And, um, and the, in the conclusion, there's no law to say you can't fake a school. Um, and then on top of that, because they registered as a religious school, the Ohio state can't touch them. Mm-hmm. And that feels very deliberate, like Roy. And then Roy is just all like, it worked. You're here. The camera's here. I'm going to have another team. It was so maniacal at the end there. And I mean, Mari, how else was he going to talk to Michael Strahan? Right. (laughs) Honestly. and And the funny thing is, while I was watching this documentary, I was literally sitting here like, He's just doing all this. He's just going to do all of this and then he's going to file for bankruptcy and still never have to pay any of this. Like, that's how he was moving the whole entire time. Mm-hmm. He got a lawyer. Didn't he get a lawyer to sue the kids for something, to sue the kids for suing him? And then when he didn't pay the lawyer, the lawyer turned around and sued him. Like, <laughs> <Correct>. <laughs> just ridiculous. Any final thoughts about uh, BS High before we get into our ratings and recommendations? I'll start with you, Sarah. Watch it. <laughs> That's all. I mean, what we have told you is nothing compared to the experience of watching the documentary. Uh, watch it. Let us know what you think. If you've already watched it, also let us know what you think. I'd love to keep the conversation going. I mean, about all mm-hmm. the stuff, most of the stuff that we cover, but this was such an incredible marriage of uh, Mary, you said masterpiece, and I don't think that's mm-hmm. too great a title. The manner in which the thing was made and the content of the thing were so intertwined, so beautifully done. It has such a heart, but it also makes you very angry. Mm-hmm. And while there's not an overt call to action, there is a call to action contained within the documentary. It's it's not like just watch it and move on. It should mm-hmm. it should make you think. Mm-hmm. MJC, what about you? So Today at work, I did something so you all don't have to, something that I normally wouldn't do. But uh, so Coach Roy was a guest on the Barstool Sports, like Pick Central podcast two weeks ago. And so they interviewed him. And here, so my takeaways from that interview is. He claims to be a changed person post-documentary. And one of the people that was interviewing him on the on the on the podcast did not hold any punches and said, the fact that you are still working with children is terrifying to me. You should never work with children again. Like this is incredibly like I do not trust you as far as I can throw you. So it was like, I wish I had that 20 minutes back that I listened to that interview, but um, he, you know, he sounds like the narrative he's trying to spin post documentary is I'm a changed person. I've seen the light. I'm a, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. 
Um, Sarah, there's a companion podcast to this documentary as well. Another one. <laughs> yes. Yes. But this, this is, this is very interesting. And, and it, as I said before, the length of the documentary is the length that should be, but it mm-hmm. does, it does make your mind curious. And if your mind like mine has become curious, you can go to the BS High official podcast from HBO. It's on YouTube. It's hosted by Mary Pylan, journalist and filmmaker who covers sports and business, which is like just a, such a perfect combo to commentate on this this matter. Uh, she's written for the New Yorker and Esquire, among other things. And episode one, her guest is the producer and sports baller Spencer Pacinger. We still don't know who he is, but he was in a. You know, I'm a, literally football. looking him up right now. <laughs> like and. Uh, episode two, which is the one I'm up to, is one of the directors, uh, Martin Desmond Rowe, and he talks in particular about the intense interview process with Roy Johnson. So we did see some of from the side, as Murray so so clearly told us, but the experience of being in the room with that man is uh, fascinating. Mm-hmm. And Murray, there's a book. Yes, uh, that's Friday Night Lies, The Bishop's Sycamore Story by Andrew King. Andrew King uh, took part in the documentary. Yeah. Um, and he was a good talking head. Not as good as Ben. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not as good as Ben. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're not He helped really us with the setup. Lie. I think he helped, yeah. he helped with the setup. And then okay. they didn't use them anymore. And I thought, yeah, that's good. Because Ben's much more excited about the con. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, and so Spencer Paysinger was an undrafted free agent. He got drafted to uh, the New York Giants. Get this, MJC. In 2011, he was drafted to the New York Giants. Oh, okay. Yes. So that's, that's when he won his Super Bowl. That's where he won his Super Bowl. <laughs> he was a, a rookie and he did not get much playing time. In that 15 games, he racked up about 12 tackles. And he was he was a part of that winning team. Flat fly um, forever. Exactly. And so, (laughs) you know, he moved around, but he then he's basically a really good TV producer because his life and career serves as the inspiration for the 2018 CW series, All American. Really? Yes, that is a lot of my family love All American. It is a it is a really a good uh, football show over here. Uh, I watched a good amount of season one. Yeah. I watched a good amount of it. Yep. And so, uh, so he's doing the dang thing over here. He's, he's retired from the NFL, but he's, he has some, some chops in in TV. So maybe uh, he can continue to do that. Mm. Uh, But enough about Spencer. MJC, how many magnifying glasses are you going to rate a BS high out of a possible five? Uh, I would rate it. Uh, I, I rate it a four and a half, four point five. I, re- I, re- I, I really half? enjoyed it. I thought Where it was did really they lose the half? What's what up? are you taking the half off for? Um, again, and it's not. It's 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 not the fault of the documentary. It's the fault of ESPN for not agreeing to. I wanted I wanted that perspective. I just never got mm-hmm. it. Um, mm-hmm. But it was it was. I thought it was tremendous. Yes. Sarah, how about you? How many magnifying glasses are you going to give it out of a possible Well, yes. Surprise, surprise. I'm going to give it five. For me, it was perfect. MJC, you're right. I would have liked ESPN to have talked as well, but that is not, you can't, can't, I I will not lay that at the feet of the filmmaker. You are within your rights to do so. I know Americans love their rights and you have the right (laughs) to take away (laughs) half a magnifying glass for something that was out of their control. Uh, Five for me, I've already said why 
I can only say, please watch it. If yes. you think uh, the last thing I'm interested in is sports ball of any kind, it's <laughs> about so much more than that. And mm-hmm. there's nothing mysterious other than the names of the positions uh, if you don't know American <laughs> football. So uh, please uh, t- thoroughly recommend one of my top documentaries of the year. Mari, how about you? Yes. How many magnifying glasses? I completely agree. Five out of five. It was so beautifully done. I, I really liked how... Trayvon and Martin really captured the essence of, excuse my language, the bullshittery. Like they really, mm. they, it, it, nothing about this felt like they were overdoing it and making him look like a villain. It was like, he is doing it all to himself. They talked to the right people. They had the best talking heads. They, it was edited so perfectly it had all of the documentary styles that I really love. So I got to give it a five. And like Sarah said, it was, it's one of the best things we've watched this year, to be quite awesome. honest. I'm yeah, so I've honored watched. that I got to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and again, a lot of the stuff we talked about here was only the, not even the tip of the iceberg to some of the stuff that Roy really the shenanigans he really got into. So if you you've listened this far and you haven't watched, definitely go back and watch. It's just as good. Like you have to see the look on this man's face when he is just light, <laughs> you know? So yeah, definitely, definitely go check it out. Um, MJC, by any chance, do you have a recommendation for our listeners? You kind of gave us an anti-recommendation with the... <laughs> but any a recommendation on anything sports-related, true crime-related, anything? So I actually would recommend uh, a book that I mm-hmm. read on my, on, on my vacation when I was on the beach. It was a book chronicling... Aaron Judge's chase to hit 62 home runs last season. Mm. It was called it was called 62. It was written by Brian Hoke, who um is like a Yankee like beat reporter. It, it was such like a, a um a tremendous year to kind of as a Yankee fan to be able to to follow it and to just watch it. And and he really did a great job of getting some of the inside stories like I never knew about the season and the 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 importance of the record and and it, it it really it was it was a really good read so if you're a baseball fan uh especially if you're a Yankee fan i would recommend uh 62 all right you're going to have to tell me off podcast how you're a Yankee fan but also a Patriots <laughs> fan so I, I tell i tell everyone mara that there's a lot of us in Connecticut and people say oh you're from Connecticut no i'm not from Connecticut. <laughs> From New York. Sarah, uh, what do you recommend to our listeners? Yes, well, talking about not checking credentials of people working with vulnerable young mm. youngsters who we should be looking after and uplifting. Uh, so we covered Leave No Trace, uh, which was on Hulu with the great Ronald Young Jr. last September about the failings of the Boy Scouts of America. So this week I watched Scouts Honor, which is on Netflix, and where we were very, like, Leave No Trace was really hard to watch. I know we all had a very Mm -hmm. hard time. But it was an extremely good docuseries. It gave so much of the background and history and lots of contemporaneous 
film and documents and Mm -hmm. even going into the Norman Rockwell paintings and what the Mm -hmm. instructions were from the Boy Scouts of what he could and couldn't do in depicting Boy Scouts. Scouts Honour much more closely focuses in on the ineligible volunteers file or the perversion files, as they were called. We heard about them in Leave No Trace. These were the files about the sexual abuse and battery within the scouting world Mm -hmm. from scoutmasters, from older scouts to younger scouts, and including some passing about. Anyway, I don't want to go too far. I do want to warn you that it is, it's not quite as difficult as Leave No Trace, but it's, it's a pretty difficult sit. It's a single documentary. So I liked that. So its focus was narrower than Leave No Trace. It's a very good companion piece. And Mari, we've noted this before. There's often a documentary on Hulu followed by a documentary on Netflix that mm-hmm. cover a, a similar topic. Mm-hmm. Occasionally they fight each other, but here I feel that, that, that this is a very good companion piece to Leave No Trace. And it's a year later, it is a timely reminder that, you know, there is a continuation of the crimes, there is a continuation of the hurt, there is a continuation of the trauma for these uh, young men, now grown men, those who did actually grow up. So I will give it a recommendation, but I will say be in a good frame of mind to watch it. And if it's not for you, if anything I've said makes it not for you, don't watch it because it doesn't. One of the great things about the documentary is it doesn't flinch. Mm -hmm. And I'd also, speaking of our guest for last year, I'd like to recommend Ronald's new podcast. It's called Wait For It, W-E-I-G-H-T. Wait For It. It's personal. It's funny. It's thought-provoking and has really interesting guests. So hop onto that. And what about you, Mari? What do you have to recommend? I would like to recommend Exactly Right Media's Buried Bones with Paul Holes and Kate Winkler Dawson. This sh- if this shouldn't be new to any true crime, like true, true crime fans. If you're a fan of My Favorite Murder, Exactly Right is their parent company. And of course, the fabulous Paul Holes, a former detective, police detective, is one of their mainstays on their network. And so is Kate Winkler Dawson, uh, the host of Tenfold More Wicked, also on Exactly Right. They have a podcast together called Barry Bones, where uh, basically Kate reads to Paul a case from like a long time ago. Like the, the most recent one was like in 1937. And before that, it's like a case that was in 1910. And they did one from like 1837. Anyways, they cover, they talk about really, really old cases that some of them might be unsolved some of them might have a mystery element to it and as she reads him the case he tries to uh, think about how the case will be handled from a modern perspective it's a very very good podcast I love listening to them it's when when two professionals get in a room together and talk about something it's and they make it like really enjoyable it's it's one of those and they are just both very good at what they do and I am hooked, especially as the, for all my science girlies out there, they do a really good job of um, thoroughly going over the evidence of the time, uh, what we we could do now in comparison when it comes to crime scene processing. It's it's very it's very interesting. So definitely go check that out if you haven't already. 
At Crime Scene, we are eager to hear your feedback and suggestions for future episodes. You can follow Crime Scene on Twitter at Crime Scene RHAP. That's Crime S E E N R H A P, or email us at Crime Scene RHAP at gmail.com. We're on TikTok occasionally at crime.scene mm-hmm. and on Instagram, threads, and Facebook at Crime Scene Podcast. So join us there. And please remember to subscribe to our feed. Rob has a website.com slash crime feed. MJC, what do you have going on and where can the people find you? So you, people can uh, follow me on most socials uh, at uh, MJC S Z N S Z N, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. I, I will. Uh, <laughs> so I, I've been doing a lot of um, uh, local theater. And so, which is phenomenal. I really have been enjoying, but it's definitely less time for me to be online, which is a bad thing. But if you're you're interested in that, um, I'm there, and I'm I'm popping up on on podcasts every now and then, and I usually will uh, uh, tweet those out before I am. So. Uh, I guess uh, uh, look for me uh, whenever I, I pop up. Sarah, what do you have going on and where can people find you? You can follow me at Sarah Carradine on all the things. I've just wrapped up coverage of the Traders New Zealand and the Traders Australia over on Silent Podcast. And I'll be covering the upcoming Amazing Race Australia Celebrity Edition with the icon, the mother, that is Annabelle Fiddler. And yes. I yes, queen. Please. Oh my gosh, she wants to call us Aussie queens. I go, well, one of us is. <laughs> and over on I'm still, uh, I'm still not ready to talk about it. <laughs> when you are, give me a call. <laughs> over on Post Show Recaps, we have upcoming the next season of Our Flag Means Death Cannot Wait, Dying, Dying to Watch It, Living and Dying to Watch It. And what about you, Mari? What have you got going on? Um, you can find me over on Twitter at Mari Talks Too Much. That's Too Life the Number Two. Um, I'm currently covering Big Brother for RHAP, so definitely follow me on Twitter so you know when I'll be on. I was just on the roundtable last week in, in Stockwatch, so you can go check that out. Also, I am over on The Connect. The Connect is back on Post Show Recaps. We're covering uh, two different things this week. We have uh, started our coverage of The Changeling. That's me and Chappelle bringing you coverage of the Apple TV dark fairy tale uh, haunting mystery. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but it's fun to watch. So um, go check us out over on postshowrecaps.com slash the connect. We are also starting coverage. We just started coverage on The Other Black Girl. It is a series that dropped all at one time over on Hulu. Uh, Me and Asia will be covering that as well. So the Connect is back. We're also on video. So if you go to uh, the Post Show Recap to YouTube page, you can watch us over there on video. So that that's really fun. Um, We're really loving that. Sarah, what are we covering next week? Well, next week we're covering The Jewel Thief with returning guest Mark Blankenship, a jewel unto himself. Watch it on Hulu and send us your comments and questions. Thanks to MJC for joining us, Will from America for the theme music, and the whole RHAP team behind the scenes. Until next time, case Case closed. closed.